Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. I'm recording this episode on Thursday, February 7th of 2019. And in this episode, we've got a bunch of little tips to share with you to help improve uh, the optimization, the quality of your website, um, and also some Google announcements that are kind of interesting. Although there's nothing crazy going on in the world of uh, SEO this week, which is probably a good thing for, um, for most of us. So first of all, as we do always, we'll start with algorithm updates. Um, this is uh, several weeks in a row now that I actually don't have a significant algorithm update to report on. And as I've mentioned in the last few weeks, it wouldn't surprise me if later on in February and March, we see something significant happen. Um, Barry Schwartz today uh, just posted that there's some rumbling about a potential update happening today, February 7th. Um, you know, it was February 7th, uh, two years ago, 2017, where I really think that Google started implementing EAT into the algorithm. Uh, that was a really, really big algorithm update. Uh, and, you know, we didn't even give it a name at that time. So it'll be interesting to see if something big happens over the next couple of weeks. I have not received any emails or uh, requests on Twitter um, from people asking me whether I'm seeing algo updates happening. Um, um, so usually when there is a significant update, I do tend to get emails and requests for help. Uh, so it's still early. So I'll update you more next week on whether uh, any big changes have happened. Um, those of you who are new to listening to the podcast, you can find my complete list of algorithm updates and suspected updates at mariehaines.com slash algo, A-L-G-O. And so if I find out more news on a potential update happening today, February 7th, I'll let you know on that. Google made an announcement that they now have uh, new information in the security issues tab in the new search console. Um, so you can see things like uh, if Google has deter determined that there's malware on your site, um, something called harmful downloads, which um, Google can give you if they're noticing that people are downloading stuff from your site that doesn't seem to really fit and that potentially could be harmful to people. So one of the things that we always check whenever we're suspicious that uh, a site is seeing traffic issues is the malware tab. Um, you know, it's been around in Search Console for quite a long time, but what's new is that there are just, there's just a little bit more information in Search Console now. Uh, if Google does detect that your site is uh, either hacked or, you know, has somehow been maliciously um, tampered with, then there's a chance that they will actually remove you from the search results or not show your site as highly in search results. It can be a sign of low quality. So it's definitely something that you want to fix. Um, we reported in the uh, newsletter that there's uh, another addition to the web spam team. Daniel Weisberg uh, tweeted that he's going to be joining John Mueller and uh, the team as a search advocate. So we still don't know whether Daniel is going to be public facing somebody else that we can ask questions of. Um, but it's always great to see Google expanding their team and uh, doing, you know, I, I really think that Google does a decent job at, um, you know, just helping webmasters who want to improve their sites. So Good luck to you, Daniel. Hopefully we hear from you in the in the future. Um, 
John Mueller uh, put to rest any rumors. There's apparently some rumors going around that Search Console is completely shutting down. That is not true. Uh, we still have old Search Console and uh, the current Search Console. Some of the features that are in old Search Console are going to go away. Uh, but so far, there's nothing that I'm really terribly disappointed about um, in uh, in uh, that hasn't ported over to a new Search Console. Um, those of you, I mean, it's not news to you that uh, Google Plus is shutting down. Uh, Google's finally give us, given us a date, and it's going to be fairly soon. It's April 2nd uh, that they will be shutting things down. Um, now, what we don't know, I know a lot of sites use Google Plus verification for login information. I feel like I read somewhere that that's still going to remain, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of um, shifting uh, in in uh, how people work online. I know we we joke that Google Plus was kind of a ghost town, but it really was used by a lot of sites. I'm just thinking of the days where I, I used to play Ingress, um, which was the precursor to Pokemon Go. I used to play that obsessively, and it was heavily based on Google+. There's uh, tons of communities. Uh, it really relied on Google+, Plus to verify people. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how the web changes now that Google+, Plus is going away. This is super important news. So Google's PageSpeed Insights tool, it's been around for a while, and we reported several months ago that Google changed how the tool works, and it's now based primarily on data from Lighthouse. Um, and what we noticed is that almost every site that we assessed on this tool was coming back with really low scores. Um, and we would have sites that we assessed perhaps a couple months ago with the old PageSpeed tool was, you know, as having uh, scores in the green, meaning that, you know, they were quite fast and now their scores are in the red. And uh, something that um, um, Sebastian Simon noted for us is that uh, there was actually a bug in the tool. And so one of the things that the tool does to determine, it gives you a score based on, uh, you know, are you using gzip compression? Are you using this? Are you, you know, do you have images optimized properly? And one of the things that the tool was not recognizing was whether you had compressed CSS and JavaScript files. And compressing your CSS and JavaScript can really, really help improve the the speed of your site. Um, but from what I understand, this bug was making it so that the tool uh, did not recognize that and felt that every site had these massive CSS and JavaScript files. Um, and so now we're starting to see some sites where uh, actually they do run fast and their page speed scores on the tool now that, now that it's fixed are being reported as green good scores. What I'm wondering is whether this had any sort of impact in search. Um, Google does have a speed algorithm and what they've told us is that uh, if your sites, uh, if your pages are slow on mobile, then that can impact your ability to rank for those pages uh, because Google doesn't want to show people pages that are slow um, unless that's the only option. And, and so if you are trying to compete for a term and you have very, very slow loading pages, especially on mobile, you can get a ranking demotion for that. And so what I'm wondering is whether, and, and I think that those are based on the PageSpeed Insights score, although I don't know that 100% for sure. But 
What I'm wondering is if those sites that were falsely being shown as having red scores uh, by Lighthouse, whether they were actually getting demoted. Um, you know, so that's something that I should be, I, I hopefully will be able to look into that for next newsletter. Um, and I can get you, you know, some more information to see if we're seeing sites that saw a drop. And then who knows, maybe this potential algorithm update that we're talking about today is sites that are recovering from this page speed hit. Um, so, I will look into that and hopefully report back on that next week for you. Um, what else can we talk about here? It's a neat little uh, tip uh, that David Cohen gave in a as SEMrush chat on Twitter was uh, for some keywords, a way to actually rank well for them is to tweet about them. Use them as hashtags on Twitter. And Google is getting really good at recognizing content on Twitter super fast. I can tweet something and then I can do a search that would, you know, bring up that tweet. And the tweet is there, uh, you know, almost instantly. So that's something to play around with. If you're trying to rank for uh, some of your terms and you notice that uh, Google's actually showing you some Twitter results in a panel, then you may want to be tweeting about your keywords more frequently. Um, let's see here. Somebody asked John again about, uh, you know, whether it's a ranking factor to be HTTPS. I've covered this over the years. Google came out with a blog post several years ago that said, hey, if you switch to HTTPS, it actually gives you a ranking boost. Um, and then they came out um, sometime after that and said, well, actually, it's a very tiny boost. It's, it's essentially a tiebreaker. You know, if Google was trying to rank your site and another site and they were essentially the same but yours was HTTPS, you have a higher chance of, of ranking higher. Um, so, you know, it's not really a, a ranking factor. There's lots of other reasons to go to HTTPS though, um, but uh, just thought I'd throw that out there because I think there's still a fair amount of confusion on this uh, subject. Um Let's see what else here. Oh, yes. So the new WordPress with the Gutenberg editor, if you have decided that you're not going to use the Gutenberg editor, it turns out that it actually creates uh, a massive amount of CSS for some sites. And um, John Henshaw has given us some advice on how to remove that CSS, and that can help make your site go faster. And then Cyrus Shepard pointed out on Twitter that um, you uh, can actually get a WordPress plugin in that will remove the CSS. Uh, I, you know, I haven't played around with this for Gutenberg specifically, but I use a plugin for WordPress that actually uh, allows me to choose which scripts are showing on a page. So if I have a particular page that, you know, uses some fancy script and it's part of my theme, but I don't want to show that script on every single page, I can say, look, don't even load this for this page and it helps it to um, run faster. If any of you are interested, in, in that, just reach out to me on Twitter, perhaps. I'm at Marie underscore Haynes. And, uh, you know, if, and, and, and say, hey, you were mentioning this on your podcast, and I'll look it up for you what the name of that plugin is that I use. Um, it's been some talk about um, some people getting Search Console warnings for uncommon downloads. 
Um, and so, uh, you know, that's something, if you do get a, a manual action for this, this is something you need to pay attention to. I think sometimes when we get these uncommon downloads warnings, it's a fluke and it's actually, um, you know, not a problem, but just in case it is something significant, you should look into it. So, uh, that's not something that we're experts in. Um, but, uh, my point in bringing it up is just to say that if you're getting any sort of manual action from Google, you do not want to ignore these. There's one exception, and that's if you get a notice of unnatural links pointing to just one particular URL. So let's say, uh, so I had a client, um, I, I've seen this a few times, but I'm thinking of one instance where I had a client who had an article written, it was a review for a product, and uh, it was an unfavorable review. And so that particular product page, uh, and it wasn't their product, it was somebody else's product, that product page, uh, somebody attempted negative SEO at it and was throwing a bunch of really spammy links at this page. And it's interesting, you know, because Google could have just ignored those links, but instead they sent a manual action to the site uh, saying, um, you know, we've detected unnatural links to this particular page. And in that instance, you probably could do nothing. I don't think those unnatural links are going to be uh, hurting the site itself, uh, but that particular page would probably have trouble ranking, which is interesting, right? Because then it looks like the unnatural links actually accomplish their job. Um, so there's two ways to deal with that if that happens to you. One is to go in and disavow. We actually did that for this client for months. Every single month we would go and disavow the links. Their page continued to rank well um, and they didn't have to worry about uh, disavowing or, or about uh, losing rankings for this particular topic. The other option that you have is to actually just get rid of the page. Um, who knows? I guess then you're letting the negative SEO spammers uh, win. But um, my point in saying all this is you do not want to ignore any manual action that you get from Google. If you do get a manual action too, it's important to know that you will get an email from Google. Um, in the past, the emails were kind of you know, they weren't always reliable. Um, and we would see sites where they never received an email and we'd go into search console and see, oh, you have a manual action here. So again, if you're having trouble ranking uh, and you feel like something is really wrong, then it doesn't hurt to go check your manual actions viewer. You can find it in the left sidebar of the new search console. It'll say manual actions and you can see if you have any sort of action uh, that the web spam team has put on your site. Somebody asked Google, uh, let's see here, about certain elements of a page that um, require, uh, they're hidden uh, using JavaScript and CSS, and uh, they're hidden until a user interacts with something, and then there's links in there. And they wanted to know whether Google will see those links. So John Mueller's response was, that's generally not a problem. It's really common design pattern. Lots of menus are made like that, for example. I wanted to put this in the newsletter because there have been some tests done that sort of imply that uh, Google is still treating content behind tabs as less important. So if you have a page that you're trying to 
build links internally to that page. I really, if that's an important page, I would make sure that those links are visible in the content that's there that doesn't have to be interacted with. Um, you know, I think Google can still see links in hidden content, uh, but they probably treat them with lower importance. I That's my um, opinion, and I feel like I've seen several tests uh, that back that up. So if you are trying to link internally, I also think that it's good to have those links as part of the context in a in a paragraph. So you don't want to go writing content just for the sake of SEO, but if you can put internal links into content that uh, is going to be read by a lot of users, that's something that um, may be more helpful than having it hidden behind some sort of a JavaScript element. Uh, Bing is making this big announcement about the fact that you can now submit 10,000 URLs a day to Bing. Um, I saw a tweet that said, let's move away from crawling to discover content uh, by telling Bing about it. That's just kind of weird. I Something strikes me as unusual in that, and I feel like I'm missing part of the story because this seems to go back to the old days where in order to get Google or search engines to discover something, you had to submit it to Google. And now Google's saying, you know, you don't really need to submit URLs. As long as they're linked to appropriately and we can find them, then we'll find them and we'll index them quickly. So I'm not sure what Bing is trying to accomplish here. Um, if you feel like I'm missing something, uh, you know, shout out on Twitter to me again if you have an explanation as to why Bing is doing this. I'd love to uh, to uh, to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, Barry Schwartz posted something about a message, another manual action that a site owner received, and they actually received a personal message from John Mueller um, explaining why they had the manual action. In my experience, this is quite rare. I've only seen a couple of instances where a manual reviewer has actually put a note um, in uh, the response in a manual action. But sometimes, I mean, these manual actions, a lot of people feel like they're all just machine driven. Um, Google says that every single time you request reconsideration, it is viewed by a human being. So that's, um, you know, something interesting. Some of you might have noticed if you're looking at your logs or if you're looking at your referral traffic in Google Analytics, uh, a new user agent called Googlebot Speaker, that's S-P-E-A-K-R, missing the E. Um, and so there was some speculation as to whether this was related to voice search. So Danny Sullivan from Google came out and told us that what that is, is uh, it's something uh, to do with Google Go. Now, I actually was not familiar with Google Go. Uh, it turns out the Google Go, uh, it seems to be something that people can use uh, when they have slow data connections. So if you're in an area that, uh, you know, only runs on a, a 3G or a 2G connection um, and you're trying to get content translated by Google uh, or read aloud by Google, then uh, Google Go allows Google to do that. That's a lot of Googles um, to do that in a faster way. So, and apparently Google Go can translate content into 28 different languages. So if you're seeing a Google speaker, the way I understand it is it means that somebody has used Google Go to try to translate your content. So 
that could be some clues to help you determine whether you need to internationalize your content. I heard a great talk by Aleda Solis recently uh, where she was talking about how can you decide whether you should be using hreflang, whether you should be creating pages for different translations. And this is probably one of those steps. Uh, you know, if you're seeing that tons of people are requesting your content to be translated into, say, Spanish, then maybe it makes sense to actually create Spanish content for uh, that topic. Um, people are noticing, uh, Brittany Muller, uh, tweeted about, uh, there's more images, uh, let's see here, related searches in image search. So if you get a lot of traffic from image search, you might be noticing that Google's actually showing like, Hey, related to this is blah, blah, blah. It's worth looking at that just to see what does Google think is related? You know, if you do a search for one of your products and Google thinks that the related products are, oh yeah, I'm trying to give a concrete example here. Let's say you did a search, let's say you're doing SEO for a plumber and you did a search for a particular type of low flush toilet and uh, image search said, oh, here's some related searches and they were showing you like this particular type of pipe that these toilets use. Well, then you know, hey, I should create some content around what these pipes are for and, you know, link that content internally back to your main topic on this particular type of toilet. And what that does is it, it helps Google to understand, ah, they have all this content that's related to this type of toilet. And we think that these pipes are related to this toilet and this is related to this toilet. And so then you will probably rank better for searches for that toilet. So that was probably one of the strangest things I've said all day. Um, but I think you probably get the idea of what I'm, I'm talking about here. Uh, we're almost finished up here. Let's see, some local SEO. Uh, there's been some talk of seeing hashtags in Google Maps reviews. I don't know a lot about that yet. I think that's something, you know, that almost makes me wonder if Google's got some other social project under wraps here, um, you know, and they're going to start um, using uh, a social platform that sort of um, works around Google Maps. I don't know. Um, for now, I don't have any specific advice on how to take advantage of that, um, other than to say, you know, if you notice that your competitors have people using hashtags in their reviews, that's probably something that would be good for you to do as well. Or you could even, if you're asking people for reviews, you could ask them, use the hashtag, you know, whatever to get your keyword in there. I think that that's worthwhile to be doing as well. Um, let's see. Joy Hawkins noted that there, uh, she's now seeing social media icons returning to knowledge panels again. So that's interesting. We haven't seen that in a while. Um, again, not much, uh, practical advice we can give on how to take advantage of that. Um, and I think one final thing that we'll talk about is uh, how to get the sold here to display on your Google My Business listing. So if you've seen that, you know, if you do a search for a particular product um, and then the Google Maps listing show you it's sold here, um, how does that get populated? So Google My Business actually responded uh, to a question about that. And what they said was that it's based on information from Google Guides, basically. Um, they said Google Maps users. But uh, so I'm a Google guide. I'm not very high level, but I do try to leave reviews uh, wherever I can um, and contribute. And often what I'll get is a question from Google. They'll say, hey, we noticed that you're in such and such grocery store. Does this store sell 
whatever, you know, some type of product. And I'll answer yes, no, or usually I answer with, I don't know. I mean, how am I supposed to know? I'm not going to go across the grocery store to the organic section and figure out whether they have this crazy product. But some people do. And so um, how do you take advantage of that? I really feel like there's a lot of opportunity in this. One thing that I would recommend is if you have a business that relies on maps is to encourage your employees to become Google guides. Um, and then when they're in your business or when they're around your business, they're going to be asked questions, you know, does this store sell this product? Well, your employees know that, right? And so um, the more people that you can get contributing to these questions, the more information Google has about your business, and then the more they can show people in the search results. So I would really encourage all of your employees, even your friends and family to become Google guides to start answering uh, questions. It doesn't take a lot of work to get up to a level where Google considers your um, your input on this program to be valuable. So, uh, you know, it's something to consider. So that's all the information that we have for today. Um, my team is currently working on tons of site reviews. Uh, we're soon about to launch more information to help you do link audits. Um, and uh, so that's something that I'm happy to, to talk about soon. And those of you who have been waiting for our part two of our EAT webinar, it is coming. There's just so many great things that we're working on that uh, I think it's probably going to be later in February where we do this part two. So we haven't forgotten that. We're going to do a webinar, a live one where you can ask questions. Um, and so stay tuned. Uh, again, the newsletter is mariehaines.com slash newsletter. And all of this information's in there. Um, some of the information that we talk about in podcast is only info, um, included in the paid version of our newsletter. Uh, but even the free version tells you a good chunk of what we've just discovered here. So if you want to have that emailed to you every week, then uh, mariehaines.com slash newsletter will get you there. So let's uh, keep our eyes open to see what's going on with the algorithms. It wouldn't surprise me if I'm reporting on something big this time next week. And uh, I wish you all the best of luck with your rankings.